friends, and thanks for listening to the Capital City Soccer Show, your independent source for everything Austin FC. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Academy's results versus FC Dallas. We're going to speculate about stadium naming rights, and we'll also talk a little bit about the 2021 MLS season and what that might look like. I'm Landon Cottom, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. Uh, I would like to start by saying that I went to Holdout Brewing last Wednesday uh, had a delightful couple of different hazy IPAs because you can, there's like infinite varieties of those out there now, <laughs> I think. Uh, enjoyed time on the patio and had a great sandwich. And I think you've also been there too. Is that right? Yeah, I actually, we actually, uh, I, after work on Friday, I went by there and picked up some beers and dinner. We got the, we got burgers. What sandwich did you have? So I had a fried chicken sandwich and it was glorious. The burgers are amazing too. So yeah. And then I've had probably like four of their beers now and have really enjoyed all of them. So they, they've got something good going on over there. And and they're also good on Twitter. Do you, were you in that discussion last week? So somebody, no, had, I don't think I saw that. Yes. Yeah, so somebody posted one of these like parody videos about all the different kinds of IPAs with like, there was like lumberjack shirt and blah, blah. Like it was like, it was kind of very 2015, but it was this like sort of, uh, oh, parody I did. Of, yeah. 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 I, yeah, and Holdout got involved that at some point, I think, and like talked about how I think believe that they're because they have that big outdoor area, and they they wanted to make sure that we all knew that their outdoor seating was all from reclaimed, you know, native wood and and honor being respectful <laughs> and global and all those things. So I always appreciate it when they like somebody has a good sense of humor and jumps in too. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, but this is something that we wanted to talk about for a few weeks now, but it kept getting like pushed because we wanted to give it a little bit of time. But uh, also, we had to give Jeremiah time to actually finish it. But we want to talk about Ted Lasso because it's an amazing show. So Jer- Jeremiah, I think last time we brought it up, you hadn't seen it yet, but now you've you've finished the the whole first season, right? Yeah, I did finish it, and. I was very pleasantly surprised by it. It was just like sweet and thoughtful show. And if you look at like the story arc and the entire plot is very, um, it's very traditional, right? Like there's nothing special about this. I think, you know, we, we mentioned, you know, it was kind of like the 1980s baseball movie major league becomes like a premier league soccer show. And, you know, even the arc itself is like not that dramatic, but, like the moments in the middle of it and sort of like the thoughtfulness of it and, and everything about it, like totally makes it, makes it worth it. And it was everything that you, that you told me that, you know, you, that, 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 uh, you know, that you appeal, appeal to you also appeal to me about the show itself. Yeah. So I, I think if you guys haven't watched this show, watch it. And, but for those of you who have seen it and really enjoyed it, um, I wanted to recommend a podcast that uh, I think my wife told me about. I don't remember exactly how we found out about it, but I think my wife told me about it because she is uh, a fan of the person whose podcast it was, which was Brene Brown. So she has a podcast called Unlocking Us. Um, if you don't know who Brene Brown is, she's a, a professor at University of Houston and has done some guest lecturer stuff at University of Texas, but is very, very famous in kind of... Um, I don't really know how to describe her. I want to say like self-help, but I feel like that's, that makes it sound bad because she's like, she's just like, uh, uh, has a, a really strong background in doing research on like sociological issues and talks a lot about, uh, shame and vulnerability and how, um, shame is kind of the, the root of a lot of issues that people have. 
And then vulnerability is kind of the answer to a lot of those issues. Anyway, she she had uh, Jason Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt on the show. So Jason Sudeikis plays Ted Lasso and Brendan Hunt uh, plays Coach Beard, his assistant coach. Uh, they're also two of the creators of the show. And so um, they talk about how how much I think during the the during the span of this interview, you hear how much work went into making sure that that this joke from uh, from a Premier League commercial seven years ago turned into this really rich and beautiful TV show and like this really beautiful story. And um, I I was just like really impressed. I, I already love the show, but I, it made me want to watch it again. And I've actually started watching it again because of listening to this podcast. So did you did you get a chance to listen to it, Jeremiah? Yeah, I did. And I, what what really struck me is, you know, it's like this fish out of water comedy, right? And it's got these moments and, you know, it's 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 funny and it's sweet and it's all those things. And really appreciate that it's like this really positive show in a time when there's like not a lot of really positive stuff going on but i was just super impressed with how much work and thought and effort goes into all that you know when you think about people making a a 30 minute sitcom you don't like i never really thought about like what a creative piece of art it was like and the creativity that went into it and they they really went into that and really made me appreciate it even more and i haven't started watching it again but i, I can see why you would like with that background and understanding, like why it would be even better the second time around. Yeah. So, uh, Brene Brown is a, a very respected person in, in these fields. And uh, so Jason Sudeikis mentioned that as they started writing for the show, that she was a point of reference, like her work was a point of reference in creating like the depth of, of the character of Ted Lasso. And, uh, Brene said that sh she does like leadership training and she said that it's required viewing for the people that she works with in these leadership trainings to, to watch how Ted Lasso is a leader in, in his locker room. And so this is a quote from the podcast that uh, Sudeikis, Jason Sudeikis said, and he said, Ted brings out the best in people because he accepts them as they are without judgment. And in the process, he helps everyone around him accept themselves as they are too, which I think is a good kind of encapsulates that character. And it's, uh, again, it's if you saw the the Premier League promotion seven years ago and thought this was just going to be like a silly little show that runs all the jokes out in the first episode, it's it's so much better and so much funnier than than I think anybody could have ever predicted it was going to be. So definitely worth a watch. And then also check out this podcast if if um, if you're into it. We'll yeah, and we'll drop that in the show notes too, so that it's easy to find. And so we can move on to actual soccer now. I think. Uh, you had the chance to watch our own Austin FC Academy take on one of the highest rated academies in the entire land here in South Austin. They played FC Dallas on Saturday and you, you went out and I heard from spy reports you were taking notes uh, as it went along. <laughs> yeah, I think D Dallas reported on that. So why don't you give us the rundown on how that went and, and what you learned about the club and FC Dallas, too? Yeah, so we've been talking about this in the last few weeks on the show, kind of looking forward to to this game as a test of of how good is this U15 team really because they've been beating most of the teams they've been playing and so FC Dallas is known as is a really great team so um the the results played out to to prove that FC Dallas is a really good team uh it ended up 3-1 in favor of FC Dallas and um it's 
it, that that seems like the right result as well. FC Dallas was on the front foot pretty much the whole game. They were very organized, uh, very skilled, and really aggressive. And you can just tell that these kids have been playing together for for years and at a very high level together for years. And so um, Austin, they held their own for a while in the first half, and they were really working on playing out of the back. So I think that emphasizes things you've heard various people in the technical staff, including Josh Wolf, talk about how they want to emphasize possession and really make that a part of their game. And so uh, Austin FC's got some center backs that don't mind dribbling out of the back, and they did that several times and are really good on the ball. So that was, that was uh, I think, a plus of it. Um, Micah Burton, who's one of the the players we mentioned who came from Minnesota United's academy, scored a banger for the, the one Austin FC goal. But us outside of that, there was really no um, Austin FC just really couldn't put together an attacking sequence. So uh, it was like I said, FC Dallas is just a very good team. So I don't think there's anything they could have done about that. And I, I think these things are going to happen to a team as new as this. Like these kids aren't used to playing together in this system. Um, so I, I, they're they're not going to step in and be as good as FC Dallas the first time they play. That's not to say that they, they can't get to that level, but SC Dallas has been doing this for a long time. It's, it's a machine at this point. They, they crank out more, more young players than they know what to do with. Uh, You can see, as you see in, in some of the players that have left for free and gone to Europe over the last few years. So um, I, I think it's probably, uh, it's probably good for them to get beat up a little bit like this. You, you mentioned, Dallas was uh Dallas was out there and he asked he's like are the games normally like this chippy like like because there were there were some yellow cards and players kind of getting into it and I was like the ones that I've seen haven't been because Austin FC is usually just like beating the other team and they're they just look better than the other team and I I think this was a real test and they they kind of had to like stand up and and defend themselves a little bit and so it, it just disappointing result but it's like like I said against a very good team and I I think it'll be a good um just a good learning opportunity and to see like this is what this is what it is to be the best at this level and so like next time they play them they'll be ready for that and hopefully can can show some progress between now and then yeah, do you know? I mean, do you know how many levels uh, FC Dallas has? Like, I'm guessing that group of kids is probably, or the core of it at least, has probably been playing together for years at this point, right? I mean, yeah, I, they do. Um, they go so pretty like, far down, I think. Yeah, they they have. I I don't know exactly how far down it goes, but like, I think most academies start getting competitive like around uh, like the U13 level. And so even at that point, that, that would, this would be their third year all playing together, but some of them may be longer than that. So, um, yeah. And like I said, you can, you can see it the, the way that they, they all step together and, and their defense is really well organized. And then just like one touch passes into a space where they know a guy's going to be running to, but it, it was pretty impressive to watch. And I, I'd imagine we're going to be seeing some of these guys on the, on the first team in the next handful of years. Yeah, well, I'm, and I'm sure, and the, so, and the one you said this earlier, I think the one Austin goal was from the one of the Minnesota kids, right? That's right. It pretty, yeah, it's a pretty good goal. I heard it was. It was a fantastic goal. It was really great. It was like the 
on kind of like the far right corner of the 18 yard box and um and it like struck it really hard and it went into the side net on the far post over the keeper's head so it was it was a really good goal but uh, the fact that that was really the only, I think there was one other shot on goal from a free kick and I don't remember another shot on goal besides those two. So they didn't have a whole lot of chances. So the, it, it was pretty much going to have to be a banger if it was going to go in. Oh, God. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that was not the only match this weekend. The UT women also played their final match of the fall. Cause I believe their entire season is a little bit up in the air. I know they can play, they can play, I think, believe 20 matches total this year and it's split it's weird this season yeah, i think weird. i think just, they are hoping just like to everything play, else i think they are hoping to play more games but it, like yeah like you said the world's weird right now we don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> so it was senior night they won one uh zero i think the most notable thing or nil i guess if we're gonna be full-on <laughs> soccer football guys um but you know la Day austin uh came out as usual I, I watched it on tv i didn't go out but they they sounded great. You know, they created like a raucous environment. Um, I know that they got mentioned on the broadcast that it was the Merga, uh, Los Verdes, Austin Anthem, and La Cinco Doce, the uh, Austin Bold SG, were all out there together, kind of making it a, a Friday night party. I believe some people were in costumes. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and did you, you check any of that? Did you get the chance to watch it too, or did you just like read the the Twitter? Twitter I didn't watch it, it live, but I've seen a lot of the videos that are being posted. And then uh, Lincoln Rose, who did the broadcast, uh, posted a video just kind of giving them a shout out and gave a shout out on the broadcast. And I think he posted that clip of the broadcast on his Twitter feed. So you can go on there and, and just see like the amount of people that they're bringing out and the noise that they're bringing, um, is, is just really cool to see like how, like the level that it's at already in these like weird times and at a, a college soccer game that has nothing to do with Austin FC to create that much atmosphere there just to imagine what it's going to be like at McCalla. But uh, yeah, if, if y'all haven't listened to last week's episode with the interview with Mateo and Rigo from, from La Murga, then go check that out. But yeah, those guys are doing great work and they, they were on full display at the UT game the other day. Yeah. And that hits on what they, what they talked about last week, right? They, they want to be the band of the city and not just for Austin FC. And they did it. And uh, Lincoln, also a listener, I believe we appreciate that. Uh, and hopefully he'll, hopefully he'll, you know, listen to this episode and, and, and talk about it. But, um, yeah, it was, it was good to see them sort of living up to what they, what they do and, and having that opportunity and hopefully they'll have more of that and hopefully they'll get some more in the spring to kind of tune up before, um, the season starts in 2021, which we may know a little bit about or not about. Let's, you want to talk for a moment about how this season ends and the next yeah. season begins. Yeah. So let's talk about the MLS playoffs right now. So, um, as it stands right now, the playoffs are originally scheduled to start on November 20th. Um, that has not been confirmed in, in quite a while, and they've not really said much about it. But there's a, an international window just before that. And so it kind of makes it a little bit complicated because if any of the MLS players who make the playoffs go and play during this international window with their national teams and come back, there's going to be some type of quarantine period. Um, MLS is still saying that the MLS Cup final is scheduled for December 12th. And so if you look at the space between that international window and December 12th, in 
factor in quarantine times for any players that travel during that international window, players are going to miss games. And, and, and I was going to say, it doesn't factor in Toronto either, right? I mean, we've still got this whole U.S. and Canadian thing that has to be resolved too in some way. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine Toronto would just keep playing in, in Connecticut like they've been doing. But um, yeah, I, I read a, an article by uh, Jeremiah O'Shan, who writes for the uh, Seattle Sounders SB Nation blog and also does uh, Seattle Sounders podcast. But he was essentially making a case for why the MLS playoffs should be in a bubble. And um, it, it's for those reasons, like he he recommended pushing it back a little bit to give those players who are going to travel during the international window chance to get back. And then also mentions just like all the travel and all the the risk exposures of doing all of that throughout a whole playoff period. And it it's going to be complicated. And we, we've already saw saw that the USL final was canceled recently. And so all it takes is is one positive case to kind of throw a wrench in the works and, and screw up the whole schedule. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, hopefully it'll all go off without a hitch, but um yeah that's that's not guaranteed this year yeah and then that obviously has a direct effect on us because of you i think we talked about andy on the sports business journal podcast you know saying like everything and you can't plan anything for 2021 until 2020 is resolved and right. even more so this year more than years past like that is so uncertain because of all those things so um, I do want to refer back to one of your... So we think about roster construction for next year. There's going to be a, you know, an expansion draft at some point in some form that we know nothing about. Yeah, and we um, can't do any of that until this season's yeah, over. So. Yeah. yeah, and then and so we've got to add some players. And you did a Twitter poll a couple of weeks ago um, that I think you should probably show, talk, talk about the results of right now when we look at yeah, 2021. Yeah, so a few, a few episodes back, we, uh, we mentioned the rumor about... Uh, the Tigres player, Gignac, potentially coming to uh, MLS or specific, specifically to Austin. And it reminded me of a question that I had kind of thought of and brought up with some people a while back, which was, would Mexican soccer fans in Austin rather see a superstar who is not Mexican but is a star in Mexico come to Austin or would they rather see kind of like a fringe national team player with the Mexican national team come. And so I put this, this poll out on Twitter and uh, I, I honestly had no idea what the, what the results were going to be like. So I, I gave the examples of Nestor Araujo and Hugo Ayala, who are guys who have kind of played uh, like in the gold cup a few times, but mostly like meaningless games for the Mexican national team. And so I said, would you rather see guys like Nestor Araujo or Hugo Ayala or someone like Gignac? Like which one of those would get more buzz uh, with the the Mexican soccer audience here in Austin. And the votes came out 61% for Gignac and 40% for a fringe L3 player, which was was really interesting. Um, I Yeah, it, it just goes to show, like, I think, A, how big of a star Gignac is, but also just uh, people who watch Liga Yamekis, I mean, they, they would probably rather see a big Mexican national team star, but all of those guys aren't going to be available to a team like us at this point. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if there was, uh, other, other big stars that are playing in Mexico who are maybe not necessarily Mexican. That would, that would also maybe fill in, um, 
fill in that that want for Austin FC to get a big Mexican name. In the meantime, like maybe they're waiting out a couple of years until a contract ends and like, okay, maybe this guy's going to be available now. But in the meantime, we can go after this this other person who's not Mexican, but is a big star in Mexico and will kind of be a, a recognizable name to the to the Mexican fans here in Austin. Yeah, and that feels like the way the most affordable way to do it too, because you gotta think that your Mexican player in Mexico is gonna have a value that the average MLS team cannot typically compete with unless it's a weird situation, which is why you don't see that many, you know, in their prime Mexican national players playing in the United States. Yeah. 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 So like I said, we'll we'll start to see all this stuff come together after the end of the the twenty uh the twenty twenty season. Um, that's when we're going to see a lot of Austin FC signings start to happen. And then the 2021 MLS season, which is when we'll start playing, uh, we don't really know what that's going to look like yet either. So, um, we mentioned a while back that we thought that, um, the season might be delayed, but that there had been things that Andy Lochnane had said and some, some other, uh, front office folks and at different teams that, essentially said that it we're kind of limited as to how far we, we can push the season due to other other factors uh one of one of which being the teams that share NFL stadiums uh so there's uh now been several people come out and say that uh they think that MLS probably will push it back including Don Garber has come out and said this but um they they mentioned April so what what is what is your reaction to that Jeremiah uh, I think anything that gives us the best opportunity to have as many of us in the stands as possible when Austin FC starts is a good thing. It's really, it's the, it's the perfect world for us, right? Cause like we've got a stadium that is being constructed that maybe, or maybe not will be done for the start of the season. And, you know, I think we would, if possible, prefer to avoid the three month opening season road trip like LA had and like Portland had when they redid Providence park. Um, so that's good. And then also, yeah, who doesn't want to be there for the first, for the first game of the, of the franchise. And it would really be unfortunate to have that taken away. So I am all for them waiting for as long as possible uh, to get it, to get it going. And like, like you said, it was one thing when, when Andy was speculating on kind of reading what people think, but you know, Don Garber is relatively informed and I feel like he wouldn't, (laughs) he probably wouldn't, he he wouldn't throw it out there. Right. I mean, he would not be talking about a later start if that wasn't the most likely scenario, you know, he usually won't talk about something unless he knows like it's going to happen. So I imagine it will start later. And another thing is thinking about like uh COVID vaccine or something. If we don't know when that's going to be available, but if it is available in the next few months, any, any amount of time they can push it back and get, get that spread um, amongst the population. That means more people we can actually get into stadiums, um, which means w- there's a better chance of us actually getting to be in the stadium whenever the team makes their debut there. So, uh, a, a lot of factors at play, but, um, hopefully, hopefully that delayed start will, will help out with some of those things. Yeah. He, this is the first time I've heard him say this, I think, but he did say this all has economic ramifications because we're a game day driven business. And I feel like that's the first time that he's really been really clear about the need to get people in the stands in order to make the business model for MLS work. Yeah, absolutely. So, a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned on the show um, that Daryl Grove, the Total Soccer Show, had been put on hospice care. A few days after that, um, 
Taylor Rockwell, his co-host for the, with the Total Soccer Show, announced that uh, that Daryl had passed away. So um, we just wanted to to mention uh, mention that to anyone who was following that, and just send our condolences to Taylor and to Daryl's family and to the entire Total Soccer Show community. So Daryl really did. You you hear a lot of stories coming out of people who who were. Um, whose life he touched in some way. And it's really amazing to see within the soccer community how many people he helped start something or kind of encouraged to do certain things. And and these are people who are really strong voices in, in the American soccer community now. So I think his, uh, his influence on American soccer is, it, it runs deeper than, than a lot of people even realized. And I think the obvious his obvious influence is, is already quite big. And so you hear about these other like really nice things that he did for people, but there's been some really great uh, articles come out and we'll, we'll post, um, we'll post one of those in the show notes. If, if you just want to learn a bit more about who Daryl was and and just how good of a person he was, uh, you'll, you'll just, you'll see that in hearing people talk about him. But um, Mateo, who Mateo Clark, who we had on the show last week from La Murga, he had this uh, this idea about uh, naming a patch of of trees somewhere near the stadium. Uh, another thing about Daryl Grove is that he he loved a bad pun and liked to have fun uh, annoying his co-host Taylor with with bad puns and kind of playing with words and stuff. And so Mateo had the idea of of uh, finding a patch of trees somewhere near the stadium and naming it Daryl's Grove. And, uh, that's, I think that's absolutely brilliant. So, um, we're probably going to need, need some help finding that location and then figuring out how to actually make that happen in even somewhat of an official way. So, uh, hopefully we can, we can get that going, but, um, so what was your, my, my first reaction was to like, look at the overhead Google satellite view and see where the most ready, like potential grove of trees was. And there are none. Like it's gonna have to be. Yeah, there's no trees over yeah, there. Yeah, there's but no there, trees. There will be. Yeah, there's gonna, gonna be plant. a lot of trees. So yeah, yeah, it's gonna have to be something the club brings in. Because at first, like, this is brilliant. I'm gonna go, like, I'm gonna run out there and put a piece of paper like on these trees, you know. But yeah, there are none around. But there's in in the landscaping, there will be a bunch. I mean, I think it's that's a really cool. Um, it just shows, like you said, like it just shows the effect that he's had on the soccer community as a whole. That a bunch of people in Austin who are fans who, at, you know, there's no real direct connection or anything to Austin, but it's just, you know, people want to do that to honor Daryl. Yeah. It shows, it just shows what a, what a giant in, in this soccer landscape he was without, um, without being, without ever needing to be like the, the loudest guy in the room or anything like that, which I, um, I wanted to mention this, this one thing. So over the last couple of weeks, a lot of people have been kind of, uh, tweeting and mentioning like kind of their favorite Daryl moments. And in May 7th, uh, May 7th of 2018, Daryl tweeted from the Total Soccer Show account, we re- recently received a one-star iTunes review calling us quote-unquote soft, and I am proudly and defiantly taking it as a compliment. The world needs more softness. And so <laughs> I think that's like, that's Daryl. Like that's that's the the kind of show that he he created and kind of the kind of dialogue that he helped create around American soccer to, um, to kind of combat like this, this machismo attitude around sports. And, 
Um, yeah, again, he's a, a, a great inspiration to a lot of people in American soccer, including myself. I don't know that I would have ever even thought about doing a soccer podcast without those guys. So yeah, I, I would really love it if we could find some way to, um, to, yeah, c- commemorate Daryl in some way or another, but hopefully we can make that happen. Yeah. And I think that's a model for this show. I mean, in, in an inferior way, right? Like, yeah, I've, I, I mean, mean, we're not like out there being like the loudest, brashest, right? You know, I mean, it's just just like we talked about Ted Lasso earlier and about the appreciation of it. You know, there's like a way to, you know, to be kind and thoughtful and inclusive and all that stuff and also like love soccer and promote it. Yeah, if, and if if we can ever do half the show and half as good a job as, as Daryl Grove and Taylor have done, then I would be immensely proud of, of what we do. Yeah. Um, let's move on to some... Uh, stadium naming rights speculation. So uh, Troy recently updated an article uh, on CapitalCitySoccer.com where he has a list of local companies who who he thinks might be uh, potential potential sponsors for the stadium naming rights. So which of which of the ones on this list do you think think might be possible, Jeremiah? Well, there are nine on here, and I don't, I don't think Troy listed them from like most likely to least likely because his own personal favorite is number five. So I'm not <laughs> sure. And I think maybe they're sort of like first to 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 last. So the so the most two the two most recent names on it, I think, are the mo- ones that are most interesting to me. Um, number eight on this being which um, was added just this week, I believe. Which, I don't think which, it was on this article before. Yeah, the very recent one is uh, is Ni. It's an Austin-based company. Um, just went through a big reband, rebrand with formerly National Instruments, which they were a hardware company, and now they've changed their name because they want to get into like they're they're doing like holistic services and their hardware and software both. But they're a huge company, one point three billion in revenue. They're a big company in Austin, but they don't have a big um, national presence, you know, in a national name. I think that fits in the context of um, the support the sponsors we've seen, which are very Austin based, and then I would say. The other one that's the most interesting to me is the exact opposite of it, which is Tesla, which is a very well-known name, but it's very recently, you know, come to Austin and it's going to be a huge, um, a huge player in the community now and down the road. And that would really make a statement too, but which names, you know, either, and you can, you can come up with a, either, either of those two or like, are there any others that you find super appealing and, and want to see on the stadium? I, I think the Tesla one would be interesting just because it, it, it doesn't seem like a thing they would do, but also you could see them maybe wanting to come in and kind of put their stamp on the town, um, having that new factory coming in. But, uh, another one that I think would be really intriguing is Apple with, with Apple putting so much investment into Austin. Um, again, they don't really do stuff like that either, but, um, it's, yeah, it, it, it could happen. So I think that would be a really intriguing one just from the kind of like the global name recognition of it. And, um, yeah, I think that would, that would be a pretty big stamp, but I don't think, I think the, the two you mentioned are probably more, more likely than that one. Yeah. Coming um, to you live from Apple stadium does not seem like a thing that I've ever heard anybody, uh, anybody here say more, <laughs> there's, he's got a couple of honorable mentions on here that are local companies, um, Academy, um, Grande communications and HEB. And one thing, I mean, I don't, HEB has what well, they've got the center in Cedar park and they've got some minor league stadiums, but. I don't see them doing, you know, something like 
a major league stadium, right? Yeah, but this I'm, seems like maybe a step above what they would be either willing or capable of of uh, of financing. For for sure, but I know like in San Antonio for the Spurs, they have this big HEB fan zone, which is an area where you know it's like got kids activities and people can play basketball and all those kinds of things. So I can see a soccer version of that, you know, come in here and in the stadium there and being sort of the places like the the family place where people go and hang out and stuff being the, you know, HEB zone or HEB end or, or whatever. Like that seems like something would be very um, in line with the, the types of things they're doing too. But yeah, yeah that, I, mean, I love that we get to speculate on this stuff. <laughs> that, yeah. That make, I think the HEB thing makes a ton of sense just because you know, like, as involved as they are with everything that happens in this city, like, you know, they're going to be involved in some way. So I think, I think what you mentioned is a, is a pretty reasonable, um, yeah, reasonable thing for them to get involved with for sure. Yeah. And I love, so you had, you have speculation that this naming is imminent based upon oh, yeah. the, based upon the mini pitch video. <laughs> Do you want to, <laughs> you want to talk about that? Yeah. So Austin FC, uh, made a video talking about the, the mini pitch that they just opened up at a school near the stadium. And, uh, Anthony Precourt is in the video and he's, he's talking about the pitch and he's saying like, hopefully the kids that come and play on here, they'll be dreaming about, and this is a quote, dreaming about playing for our first team at, and he stops short and he, his mouth makes an M shape. And it's like, he's about to say McCalla place and then stops and says at M our stadium. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I think, I think he's trying to train himself to stop saying McCalla place and caught himself there and, and, uh, was said our stadium. So we've heard, we've heard a few other things that, that make us think that maybe this deal is, is, um, is either done or close to done, but this was, uh, my, my tinfoil hat confirmation (laughs) that the stadium deal is done. I'm calling it. It's done. It's done. It's in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which would make it an exciting, exciting end of the year because we're supposed to have a kit. We're going to get a stadium name, hopefully. And um, and we'll get some players. It's like we're a real team. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, another thing that we can, um, I, I guess, seemed like a dream for a long time is having a, a train station at the the stadium, which depending on election results on on Tuesday, which is when this is this podcast is going to come out. So we'll find out today uh, is the train station at the soccer stadium. So project connect uh, released renderings of, of what that station might look like. Uh, It mostly looked pretty cool, except for uh, some people had some issues with the goofy soccer ball lamps that they had above the, uh, the stadium platform. But other than that, it looks like a train station, which is what we want it to be. Yeah, I love it. And everybody needs to understand the difference between renderings and like the final, you know, drawing, right? I mean, it's absolutely. Yeah. And there was also like, there was, I love these people. I don't know where they find like random guy with a bombo. And then there was uh, (laughs) like angry, like train station security guard stuff, which of course, because we have nothing better to do. We had managed to, to pick apart every single person in the entire scene. Um, One thing that I don't, that I think is, that the station will help with. Well, one thing it's important to know is this is not going to be here for 2021, right? I mean, project connects, if it passes in November, there's no way they're going to throw a train station up in four or five months, but for the future, you know, what that will do is it will open up the East side of the stadium because as we talked about before, 
on this show and when we drank beer by the stadium and every other time it's like there's a like a big hill with train tracks that cuts off Oscar Blues and Fourth Tap and like all those other things on the east side and so probably more than anything whether you ride the train down or not a real benefit of that that station is going to be just access yeah being able to cross those train tracks at that station because there would be um pedestrian access from there so even yeah like you said if you're across the way at a brewery and you want to walk to the stadium instead of having to walk up to breaker you can just cross right there and you're on the stadium grounds already so um yeah i'm i'm wondering i'll be curious to see if they start construction there if they would put in the pedestrian crossing anyway yeah they could do that right they could put that they could put the crossing in first while they work on the station itself i think i'm not maybe a we'll see transportation yeah. planner who knows yeah uh, I know that I heard um, someone with the club mention a, a long time ago that the reason, like one of the reasons why they couldn't just put in like um, like a an elevated walkway was because of like uh, coding things. Like it was super expensive to be able to build upward. But if they're going to get the uh, like they're going to get the like the permits to to put in the station anyway that's upward building anyway so maybe there would be a crossing there complete speculation i have no idea but that would be cool if they could go ahead and put it put in a way to cross those tracks in for 2021 until that train the train station gets put in all right before we wrap up we're going to talk about uh, some local happenings in austin soccer so austin soccer foundation is hosting their foot golf tournament on november 8th it's going to be open to uh, supporters groups of all types, including Premier League teams, the local Austin FC teams, and whoever else. Uh, Jeremiah, do you want to give us some of the other uh, details about it? I know that Jeff Brunson from Austin Soccer Foundation reached out to you to provide provide some details that we may have gotten <laughs> wrong last time. <laughs> to provide correct details when I just said, hey, there's a golden armadillo, and if you win the tournament, you get an armadillo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone Jeff, gets an armadillo. Everybody. Yeah, Jeff's a great guy. So yeah, he did. He's like, thanks for talking about the tournament, but also here's some facts maybe that you should use. <laughs> um, so the Golden Armadillo will go to the supporters group that has the lowest two combined scores. They're looking for multiple teams um, from multiple supporters groups across the city. And there will also still be first and second place medals for the top two teams, regardless of affiliation. Uh, I mean, Austin Soccer Foundation, they're a great group. You know, they've, they've done this tournament You've done a tournament for years, and you played in this tournament last year, correct? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And it, who did you play with? Uh, I think I partnered with Tony Cardoni, and we, okay. did, not, we did not do great. Uh, <laughs> but we were, we were, they would, like, pair you up. So it was, like, two teams of two would kind of play through the course together. And we were with um, uh, Brock Williams and... Kevin Fricky from Austin, or I don't know if he's directly involved with Austin Austin Soccer Foundation. I think he is. Like, okay, but they were paired together, and they were very good. And like me and Tony just like felt terrible about how bad we were playing. And then we <laughs> finished up, and like I think Brock and Kevin got second in the whole tournament. And we're like, okay, I feel a little bit better about how we play <laughs> now. Because <laughs> did you did you tell me earlier that was like the only time? Is it your first time to play? It football? was the first and only time I've played, but. um it was it was a blast, and so yeah, I, I think it's a great way to spend a, a weekend. And uh, that course is what is? Do you remember what that course is called, Jeremiah? So Harvey Harvey Penick? Yeah, is that yeah. Course. 
Uh, so they're, they're open now, so you can make tea times and, and go out and play now. And um, it's, yeah, like, I think with the weather not being so hot, it would be a really great time to go out there. But y'all go out and ch- uh, check out this um, this tournament that's going on November 8th. You can go to austinsoccerfoundation.org for more info and find the registration information there as well. Yeah, and you... Uh can do it on site uh if you don't get on on the web if you don't get on the website to do it before you can get you can register on site on the 8th um and also this is the last that we've had this in the show notes for several weeks but this is the last time to remind you that today is the last day to vote if you haven't already done it it's actually election day we have no idea how this is going to turn out or what the future <laughs> may hold but please show up show up and vote if you haven't yeah, you can listen to this this show in line to take your mind off of uh, off of the election for a few minutes. But uh, I think I think that's enough for for this week's episode. We'd like to ask you to visit capitalcitysoccer.com, where Troy, Bryant, and Zach Mason bring you the latest in Austin FC news. And then we also want to ask you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back next week with more Austin FC news. And we're also going to be joined by James Ruth, the Senior Vice President of Marketing for Austin FC. He'll share with us what the club is working on to get fans excited about that first match in 2021. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time.